Thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream, Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing taking a cardiac history. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. Any, all, any and all guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospitals NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Hello, welcome back to Take Orally. And in this episode, we are going to be discussing taking a cardiac history. This is, once again, part of our early clinical experience uh, series of podcasts. And uh, joining me once again is uh, Lucy Harris. Hello, Lucy. Oh, hi, Jamie. <laughs> uh, ACP and teaching fellow. Uh, and so um, in our previous episode, we had a look at taking a respiratory history. And we're going to follow much the same format today, aren't we, Lucy? Yes, we are. So, taking a cardiac history then, um, we're once again, we're going to be thinking about some cardinal symptoms aren't we yes um so uh i think once you've started the dialogue with your patient so you've established what their presenting complaint is which is generally something along the lines of i have pain or i find it difficult to breathe um then you're you're getting a history of that presenting complaint so after i think realistically most of the patients if you allow them time to talk will give you um a fairly good idea of what their complaint is and, and all of the small aspects of their complaint but you just need to give them that time at the beginning to really sort of get it out as it were. And once again we're, we're thinking about Socrates as well. Yeah so each time they give you a symptom uh, whether that be chest pain or shortness of breath or they're complaining of things like palpitations that you're doing the symptom to death as it were so using some form of Socrates um, whether you do a modified Socrates to really um, do the symptom to death and, and find out the smaller details within that. Um, so one of the um, one of the things that I think I need to point out here is that as, as much as you're, um, you're looking at doing a Socrates for each of the symptoms that you have in front of you, there are some specifics within your cardinal symptoms for cardio um, uh, history taking um, that need to sort of be addressed really. So when you're thinking about this, for instance, there are, in terms of your cardinal symptoms, we're talking about chest pain, dyspnea, palpitations, syncope or in, in, and including dizziness, um, edema um, and claudication. Um, when you're thinking about each of those symptoms, so for dyspnea, for instance, that you really want to ask them specific questions around dyspnea um, within the Socrates, um, but making sure that this doesn't get missed. So things like what brings on your um, dyspnea and whether it's at rest or if it's exertional, um, if um, the patient is feeling short of breath when lying down in bed at night time or having to use more pillows indeed at night time, um, or if they're waking up gasping for breath at night time, having to open the window to catch their breath because they can't breathe in the middle of the night, um, are quite important questions to ask within the Socrates. And as much as we say don't need patients with the questions, um, I think there has to be an element where if you haven't got that information by the time you finish your history of presenting complaint then you need to ask very specific closed questions around around mm. those particular things um, similarly with things like palpitations um, that if somebody's describing their palpitations to you I don't know if you do this in practice Jamie but you'd ask them to tap out the, the rhythm that they're, they're feeling or, or uh, hearing uh, yes and um Bill Jameson recommends that in the Palpitations podcast as well, yeah. Ah, fabulous. Um, uh, so tap it, tapping it out in front of you, so you can gauge an idea of whether this is a regular or irregular, if it's fast, if it's slow. Um, so it's a really sort of important 
tip really um, to gain some context to, to the symptom the patient's describing to you. Um, and then in terms of, um, so uh, moving on to our next um, cardinal symptom, so syncope or dizziness, a really hard one um, to get to the bottom of sometimes. And I think when sometimes you see a presenting complaint of dizziness or syncope, your heart sinks a little. <laughs> so we're talking about the heart. Um, because it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, there's a whole world of uh, differentials that can come under that. But um, one of the things to really sort of ask the patient and be specific about is whether this is postural so is it when they're bending down um, if it's exertional so when they're um, walking um, or running um, for instance um, to find out where 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 and when that symptom particularly is a problem um, uh, I would then always ask about edema um, uh, in terms of if they have any swelling to the lower limbs but um, and, I, and I guess not many people could really comment on sacral edema because I can't remember the last time I looked at my own mm -hmm. sacrum <laughs> um, but asking about whether they've got increased um, fluid um, to the legs or lower limbs mm -hmm. um, and I guess alongside that that you'd really want to ask them if they have any swelling to their eyes in the morning so if you noticed any swelling around the eyes or to the face in the morning when you're waking up mm -hmm. um, it's quite a specific question that you'd want to ask around that cardinal symptom mm -hmm. Um, and then finally, um, claudication, so you think about pains to the calf or lower legs um, and whether the patient's describing this at rest, mm. um, if it's both legs or one leg that's affected, mm. um, or if they're getting it on walking. Um, I think alongside that then you would probably go on to ask about things like exercise tolerance, so how far could you normally walk when things were good? How far could you walk without problem? And what stops you from walking and what limits your, your exercise tolerance um, are all very important questions um, uh, as part of a cardiac history. As when we're thinking about chest pain, that, that certain features of the chest pain make us think of certain diagnoses as well. So it's very important to get that, that thorough Socrates history. Yeah, absolutely. So within, um, within sort of a, a, a chest pain history taking, um, I think the the red flags I think that pop up to you are, for instance, somebody saying that they have a sudden onset of pain, um, i.e., coming on quicker than five minutes, um, and um, and if that pain is radiating through to the back, or if they have it associated with syncope, for instance, or dizziness, mm. it increases your suspicion of something more serious. Yeah. Um, so sudden onset of anything increases your suspicion that there's something much more serious underlying it. A, yeah visceral cause yeah. for somebody's pain for instance yeah. um, whereas you know, chest pain relieved on leaning forward makes you think pericarditis so it's classic and you're a bit more relieved if you're thinking something like that so that that Socrates history is, is very thorough yes. uh, and as, as ever we've got our sort of our general systemic questions haven't we weight loss how are you doing fatigue sweating sleeping etc yeah I think I think they are, we call them general questions, and I think maybe that people would think they're not quite as important as some of the questions we ask around the cardinal symptoms. But however, um, if you've got somebody who's presenting with fatigue, um, uh, you need to start thinking about things like anemia um, that could be underlying that. So there's, there's a wealth of other, other differentials that could un underlie that. But thinking specifically about the cardiovascular symptoms, there are simple things that can cause fatigue as well. Um, you need to think about fever and weight loss, weight gain, for instance. Um, and then in particular, rashes. Um, so when you're thinking about patients who are attending with uh, first presentation of vasculitis and mm. so um, being aware of, of rashes as well alongside the and again you mentioned claudication so um, you know 
if the patient has pain in their in their calves and their legs is, is that on exertion or is it at rest because obviously a resting pain makes us think more of a critical ischemic point which would mm. obviously make us more worried and, and make us rush yeah. a, a bit more excellent so that, that's sort of some thinking of some some general points um so you know we need to also think about you know risk factors so you know different age groups of patients are going to make us think of different things different backgrounds risk factors etc are going to make us think of different potential causes yeah. uh, so what are the, the main risk factors we've got to think about so thinking about specific um, risk factors for cardiovascular disease um, so thinking of things like smoking hypertension hyperlipidemia diabetes or family history of cardiac disease i.e those of a young age so um, uh, males less than 55 years old um, or female relatives of less than 65 years old um, or indeed anyone who's of a young age that has um, had an unexplained death in the family um, are the, the things that we need to be asking within the context of taking our history. Um, I think it's, it's always a difficult one to approach when you're asking about family history but we'll cover that shortly. Um, in terms of previous medical histories um, and thinking about increasing risk factors, um, if somebody presents and they have chest pain and have a history of angina, then I guess that would raise your suspicion of something angina or cardiac related. Um, I guess in that mindset though, it's important to recognize how we can be biased yeah. <laughs> going into seeing a patient because we've already read their, their previous medical history potentially. Yeah. Um, and already in our mind, increasing and decreasing our suspicion of different differentials. Um, so it's, it's like a double-edged sword, isn't it, really? So you can take it and think that it is related to that or potentially get led up the garden path. Mm. Um, so, um, so things like angina, um, MI graphs um, or stents um, to treat, treat MIs, um, AF, um, strokes, peripheral vascular disease you mentioned in terms of um, claudication, um, and hypertension. Um, and I guess in, not so prevalent now, but thinking about things like rheumatic fever as a yeah. child when you're thinking about um, valve disease, mm. um, it's also really important to elicit within that previous medical history um, as well. Um, and then the idea also with angina is, you know, what is that angina normally? We've already spoken in previous podcasts about what is normal for you. You know, so has the patient normally got a, a stable angina that comes on, on on exercise but is now presenting with rest pain, for example? Yeah, Gives an idea. I, um, I, um, I think that if, if a patient does have angina within the history, it's, it's imperative actually that you find out what is their baseline for their angina and how often they would normally get it. Um, if you had a patient who said that it felt similar to their angina pain yeah. um, and it went away after 10 minutes from taking their GTM, then you feel slightly more at ease than, for instance, somebody who says, I never get angina and my GTM was out of date. Yeah. Um, that would probably more be more worrisome for you. Yeah. Um, uh, that said, obviously you can ask about previous medical history and, and you could have a lot of people that turn around and say they, they don't have any medical problems at all um, who then have a wealth of uh, drugs within their drug bag yeah. um, to show you including things like um, beta blockers or calcium channel blockers because yeah. um, I think sometimes uh, as healthcare professionals we don't explain to the patient that this is an ongoing problem but we are managing it. Yeah. It hasn't gone away. No. Um, so uh, a lot of the time when you speak to the patient, they say, I don't have any medical problems, but here's my medications. Oh, it's fine, because I take medication for that. I don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then lulled into a, a, maybe a thoughtful sense of security a little. Um, I would... When, when somebody presents with a cardiovascular um, symptom, I do tend to ask more around their drugs just to ensure that there aren't any other... Um, 
more worrisome drugs that they're on, so things like ACE inhibitors, diuretics, if they do have yeah. GTN, if they take their GTN, how often they would take their GTN, for yeah. instance. Um, and, um, and things like statins, um, insulin, so diabetics, um, obviously increase risk. Um, I would tend to ask around um, things like the oral cons contraceptive pill, which I think gets missed sometimes within a medical, yeah. um, when you're taking the med medicine's history, mm. um, as a, obviously increased risk factor for things like clots mm. um, between there. Um, just important to talk about over-the-counter medications as well. Yeah. Uh, often, again, gets missed sometimes. Um, so, uh, simple things um, that are commonly available and commonly used, things like ibuprofen, um, as a, a risk for many things, but you think about things like um, vasculitis and um, over-the-counter herbal supplements such as oh, the dreaded St John's wort. <laughs> that messes um, up with everything, yeah. That messes everything up. But specifically thinking about things like warfarin, so St yeah. John's wort, St John's wort effect on uh, on anticoagulation and decreases the effect of warfarin. Mm. Um, uh, which could be catastrophic in a patient who already has cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, and then moving on from there, so um, thinking about the patient's social history. Yeah. Um, so again, we're, we're into smoking again, and any drugs of abuse. Most most interestingly, things like cocaine. Um, yeah. Anything vasoconstricts. Because um, I mean, working within an emergency department, um, have seen patients who've attended after a night out, um, or during the night out, yeah. um, who've who've used um, cocaine um, and come in with chest pain and yeah. indeed ST elevation on their ECGs because yeah. of the vasoconstriction that's happening. Mm. Um, so, um, so really important to um, to establish that um, and make the patient feel at ease in terms of talking to you because actually people don't want to be judged for their for their no. lifestyle choices um, at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, a really, really important part uh, of, of your history. Um, and once you've elicited that, I, I guess one of the other things we, we would have covered, but um, should ask about things like exercise to help at home, how do yeah. you get around normally? Um, if that hasn't already been covered within the history, then actually that, that's your point to do it. Um, moving on to family history, um, which we were talking about within risk factors, Jamie, is that, um, uh, so mum and dad, how are mum and dad, mum and dad still with us? Um, uh, one of the hardest things I think I find when taking a chest pain history, particularly from, well, all ages, to be honest with you, is to ask the questions around family history, because it does bring about um, potentially a lot of emotive yeah. material yeah, true. Um, and um, and dealing with that in a sympathetic way is is, is something that needs to be well practiced um, uh, in some respects. Um, quite a hard question is to ask about the death of young people in the family mm. um, as well um, and um, un any unexpected un unexplained deaths within the family yeah. um, are incredibly important when thinking about um, uh, more Parkinson White type presentations. Yeah. So Brigada, Brigada, yeah. So anything congenital heart defects or problems, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, I think again, you just, you, you, I'm sorry, I have to ask this. I think usually gets you out of jail with most things. Just making sure. I'm just trying to be thorough. Any, you know, anything like this ever happened before in the family or to you or to, to any close relatives? Excellent. Uh, what did you want to talk about now? 
Um, and then moving on to um, essentially moving into your systems review, dun dun dun. Yeah. The dreaded systems review that everyone worries about. Um, <laughs> it's not worrisome. Um, you just have to find your structure on how you do yeah. that, whether that's a vitamin DCE yeah. um, uh, type approach or if you use a systems um, to to approach to it. Or, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I There are some very good links online actually that can help with that. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say different online <laughs> material. Of course you um, can. So geekymedics.com um, is a very good one that will help with a systems review. Yeah. Um, and I've put a link within um, the Nottingham Uni material for that because I found it very useful. Um, so yes, uh, use, use a system for your systems review. <laughs> Happy? Yeah, I think so. And that is uh, cardiac history, history taking. Brilliant. Thank you once again, Lucy. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. That was the Take Orally uh, Taking a Cardiac History podcast. You can find the blog entry for this podcast at www.takeorally.com. Remember, you can subscribe to Take Orally on both uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. Remember, you can find Take Orally on both Facebook and Twitter. For information about research and education opportunities within emergency medicine, acute medicine and major trauma, don't forget to check out NUH Dream on both Facebook and Twitter.